This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to episode 215 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. Today on the podcast, we welcome Daniel Littleton from The Hated. Now, Daniel has a whole other band called Ida. We're going to have a whole separate episode for that. So today, we are just sticking to The Hated, which has had their catalog meticulously handled by our friends at Numero Group and recently played some reunion shows. So The Hated were an early emo band. Daniel goes to great lengths to explain his fascination and frustration with the word, but in the end, he weaves a tale that talks about his upbringing in a biracial family that helped shape his life, and also seeing bands like The Bad Brains or Women in Music helping guide where he is today. Daniel is a true legend, and I invite you to sit back and listen, which I do for most of this, on a time and a place when the word maybe wasn't even uttered. So this one is an absolute trip to listen back to, and I hope you enjoy and enjoy Daniel talking about the 80s and the 90s. I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Come hang in the Discord for as little as $1 a month. It helps support the costs of running this endeavor. If you're interested in supporting, go to patreon.com slash washedupemo. Also, I can't go without thanking my podcast network, Double Elvis. They have amazing and award-winning music podcasts, so go check out their entire slate of series at doubleelvis.com. This is episode 215 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Daniel Littleton from The Hater. couldn't tell what it was and I, it was like a, a 917 a, yeah i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't tell what it was and, but i'm i'm glad this time i trusted okay I was like, ah, this has got to be him because, <laughs> because you know i suspected that i was getting it wrong but i, I wasn't sure i will i will, you know that that's a good point to tell people my number in the future sometimes you know they don't sometimes uh people don't pick up on that stuff so well, no sweat I, I saw, you know, like a kind of like, you know, East Coast, New York thing. And I, I'm kind of like, well, we were talking about West Coast time. You know, Dude, I've I don't had know this we were... number for 23 years. <laughs> that's it. Once you have the number, it's like, that's it. Dude, I mean, I, got, I got the number in Astoria, Queens on Steinway, some sketchy. I got like a flip phone. Like, I don't know what he gave me, but that's the number I got. <laughs> You know, I didn't know. I didn't do it. They just gave me this thing. They said, take this phone. It's a burner phone. Yeah. Just walk this across the street. When Larry calls, just pick it up, okay? Just pick up. Just pick up. up the phone and go to the place. <laughs> that's, right. that's why I had the discount. Yeah, no, it was, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, I'm so glad that you're um, that we've got this ske- scheduled and and worked out, and we were yeah. both free. And um, yeah, I'm so glad glad too. And I'm sorry that it was such a like oh, you were busy, ridiculous kind of phone tag. 
to get it together. You know? I know Eric's probably like, get over it. Let's go. Now I'm funny. <laughs> I know. I'm sure. <laughs> on so many, on so many levels. <laughs> so, um, you are familiar with my stuff and what I've been up to. My brother had, had turned me onto your site. And so he said, you know, I guess you had done an interview with, with Guy. Yes. And, um, and my brother, Miggy Littleton, was like, you should check this out. He knew, you know, that that kind of like it would be of interest, um, just like how you were approaching things. And, and also just the conversation that you were having, like and that you seemed interested in and, and you know, digging deeper into it. And I felt like there was some cool kind of recontextualizing of some of the. Tropes. Standard issue things that people, you know, get accustomed to rehashing and awesome. throwing around like they make a lot of sense. So I, I really did appreciate that. And I've, I've really been looking forward to digging deeper into because you interviewed with so many cool people. And I haven't even gotten to hear Eric's is what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> I haven't even gotten to listen to Eric's yet. And I've heard it's fantastic. So, you know, I'm, I'm really stoked to get to talk to you. Awesome. And, um, but, you know. I'd also love to hear what, how you would contextualize it. I'm just kind of going on what people have told me in one interview that I listened to that I thought was great. Yeah, the the Gee one was out of control. I can't believe I convinced <laughs> him to come to Atlantic. I can't believe he said yes. He's such a sweetheart yeah. and um, yeah. probably my one of my most favorite days ever in the world. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah. So basically, like I, you know, 15 years ago, I was at a hardcore label, and I work in the music industry. I've been working at record labels, big and small, yeah. for 20 plus years, and. Uh, 15 years ago, I was like, man, no one's talking about emo the way that I thought like it was all the popular stuff in 2007. And so right. I kind of just made a website and started talking about bands that I love. And, and it few yep. years later, it turned into the podcast, turned into a DJ night that now those yep. things are global. Uh, we were yep. kind of first and, and I, um, did a couple books, the anthology series that have sold out. I'm working on a third one, um, really into book publishing and it's been amazing, especially with, you know, working with Ken and, and talking to him, um, yep. and just saying like, okay, you know, there's still so many more voices and so many more people to talk to. And, um, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's high time, uh, to have you on about the hated. And I had an idea and I wanted to know if yeah. you were up for it. Yeah. I usually do, uh, like if it's one person, like sometimes they come on multiple times, you know, if there's other yep. topics or things, I, here's my idea. And I'd love to know if you're into it and mm -hmm. we could do just the hated today yep. and then a yep. separate one for Ida. Mm. And then if Liz wanted to talk about Ida as well, separately, yeah, because I, I think I, I mean, Ken tipped me off. I'm, I, you guys are going to be doing stuff. Um, I don't tell mm. anybody. And I just, you know, I know too yep. many emo secrets. But I feel like mm. that would be a really fun thing because I don't want to sell either thing short. And I think they both awesome. deserve an episode. And especially Liz, there's too many dudes. And yep. I want, you know, 
it'd be amazing if she was up to talking about her perspective and her idea. And um, anyway, that's my idea. And I thought it might make this a little bit more palatable because I was when I was prepping for this, I'm like, I have all these Ida questions. I have all these hated questions. What the fuck am I <laughs> going to awesome. do? <laughs> right. so. Well, like let, I, I'm, I can sign off on, I'm totally up for, you know, um, staying, staying in hated world for this discussion, doing another one about Ida. And I'm sure that Liz, I'll, I'll just present it to you and put y'all in touch. Perfect. I'm sure that she'd love to talk to you about it. And, um, I, I really appreciate, you know, just like, cause there's a, there's a lot of ways that they link up and there's, you know, a lot to talk about with both of those bands. You know, they both, um, just a lot of, a lot of time and effort and, um, just like deep connection between everybody involved, like is, you know, the basis for both of those bands. And, you know, like she is the person you want to talk to about it. Yeah. Like me too. I mean, you totally. know, and, and like any of those people, Carla, uh, I just, all, all the people who are part of our, our kind of inner circle, like have like just brought, just made it, made it all work. And so, I think, you know, yeah. And I think some people get turned off by the word, you know, and it's like, if you mm -hmm. look at the list, it's hardcore, it's punk, it's indie, it's, yeah. you know, famous musicians that just love emo. They don't give a shit. Like it's not a, or they like punk. And right. it's just, if you were there, you know, and, and I think sometimes people see the name and go, oh God, it's going to be about fallout boy. And, you know, and then you kind of look at it and you're like, oh wait, it's right. not. So that's right. my, that's my battle for not naming it something obscure. I should have just named it like some other any other name and i would have had an easier right. time <laughs> well i kind of i kind of i i get that because like i mean in in talking about with me you know you're going to probably um be disappointed about you know some of the you know things that i i know about or don't know about yeah related to, but you know like but um because i have some distrust of like the blanket categorization and the term itself and and don't really i love you know, it I feel, I feel like i'm just kind of like understanding it um you know i don't i certainly don't feel any kind of you know uh innate um understanding or allegiance or ownership or any of those things um i just feel more than anything kind of kind of interested um and there are times where i didn't necessarily feel interested at all yeah. and uh you know, so like I'm, I'm into talking about it. Cool. Um, and and I kind of like that you're going right at it. Like I, I don't. Um, I, I think that, uh, probably, as a category, like just about any category, it just kind of dissolves on its own for me. Like it, it just doesn't hold up like all that much, because I, I just don't. I don't really like think about that stuff too much like what what lane you keep things in you know and so because because of what i think the numero kind of project and angle is like um i'm really interested in how they've kind of wanted to kind of present what we're doing with this archive of music and you know I, i'm kind of like all right well let's talk about it and i'll be here to talk about it so, perfect. Perfect. You know, I'm really, I'm really glad that you called. I'm, I'm, and I'm stoked to get into it with okay, you. Okay, great. And, 
and see what we find. Okay, you know? perfect. I love it. We will go on a journey, and uh, uh, it's super. Oh, yes. So, first thing, uh, Ian did yell at me about this for not doing it with him. So I'm gonna. I ask everybody moving forward, uh, the name, date, and location. Name, date, and location. Yep, that's that, right. that's your job. That's really great. Um, Daniel Littleton. It is. What day is today? What did we? It's the twenty sixth of January. Thank you. Let me see if I get this. The facts. <laughs> it's fine. Straight. It's fine. Daniel Littleton, Thursday, January twenty sixth. The year is twenty twenty three. And you're in upstate New York. I'm in upstate New York. Fantastic. Yep. Um, well, thanks. Thanks for being on. Um, and excited to talk about the hated and um, find out sort of the, the travels and, and your experience with this. But um, I think the first thing is just, you know, growing up in Annapolis, correct? Mm-hmm. Finding music. Uh, how was that first off for you growing up? Mm. Um, I grew up like uh, in a, a household that was just like um, music was just everywhere all the time and not like in a background kind of way like in a, in a very um, I, I, I don't know just like a, it was very like very much permeated like life as I always knew it so you know my father played my mother sang you know um, my sister played, my older sister played and could sing. She taught my brother and I how to do like three part harmonies with her when we were little. You know, I grew up like um, hearing my father, who was like a, a great all around musician, but his main instrument was the piano. And he, um, he was like, an extraordinary improviser. And uh, so I just like, and he'd work at night and then come back, you know, and I'd hear him play, you know, when he got, when he got home, like, and he just would play in this kind of like um, really beautiful, like Bill Evans kind of style. Um, But then he could also play like older kind of styles, like Teddy Wilson style kind of jazz voicings and, and chords and he could harmonize like any melody with like a just a real intuitive sense of, of harmony wow. and um, it was really beautiful to hear it and like you know so like i grew up hearing him play like Thelonious monk music and and duke ellington music and like um old songs and and just like also be able to just kind of be in a setting like wh- whether you know family was over or whether you know, like he had students over, he was a teacher and, you know, people would be like having meals together and things like that. And, you know, invariably he'd like start playing and he could just play like whatever people, he just had, you know, ability to remember songs and, and just kind of like, um, just connect with people really intuitively and directly with music. And so I grew up with like that sense of, uh, this is, this is just like life, uh, life force experience, food, 
you know, I've, I've said it before, but like, you know, um, like all of the elements that people talk about, kind of the elements of, you know, earth, air, fire, water, all, you know, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. Like to me, it's probably, you know, Filipino soul food and music are also in there. And, you know, that's like, <laughs> that's kind of what it, what it is, you know, so probably like a little bit of fried too. So I put like fried anything, <laughs> but also, but just like music as kind of like an elemental part of life. Like not, not like something that's like, you know, um, you know, to be, uh, taken too lightly, but, um, like to have some like, you know, kind of, I, I saw it in devotional setting. I saw it in with a kind of reverence and I saw it as kind of like a primary method that people, a way that people could communicate and be together. And, um, so I was just really fortunate with that. I guess, I guess it's just gotta be said, like to just grow up with that sense of like, Oh, music is just, you know, the language, the air, the, you know, the food and, the water and you know every day and i grew up like listening to records cool records with my brother and you know finding like out about music from my big sister who always turned me on to like the best the best shit like what and um what was that like where so they were inviting it i mean obviously your parents were but then your big brother and sister were like check check out this record daniel i was the middle oh you're the middle I was, you know, the older brother and my, my sister was, uh, was the oldest and she was, you know, seven and a half years older than, than I was. So she, you know, um, in a lot of ways, like helped, helped to raise us, you know? Um, and you know, she had real cool taste in music and records and like, you know, she would play us anything all the kind of classic rock stuff or you know hendrix and the who and you know the beatles obviously and the stones and things like that but also then there were you know um joni mitchell records and you know steely dan records and um you know um stevie wonder records and cool you know all this music that just really like i don't know just like helped you uh, get through the world and, um, you know, just kind of like uh, get a glimpse of, of things that were possible that you might not have seen like around you, you know, um, you know, just the kind of like, when I think about like some, somebody like Stevie Wonder or somebody like Joni Mitchell and what they meant to me, like hearing those records, you know, uh, they were like, Oh, there's another, another life that's possible where like people communicate at this level and you know aside from like what you may or may not have in the home just um or in school or uh in the culture that you walk walk around it wasn't it wasn't uh i don't know what i'm getting at except i i really benefited from her knowledge and her like making you know tapes for me and stuff and playing me records and just sitting around in her room with a record player and just listening to you know music that's great and all what, day you know what about playing when did you when did you say i, I want to start playing well my sister could play 
violin and she was really good. So I thought, you know, I'll try to be like her because she was my hero, you know. And so I um, I tried to pick it up and I just couldn't do it. And then um, probably when I was around fourth grade, I, I started playing guitar. And, uh, and I just took to it and just, I don't know, like it, it just, I learned, you know, like songs that I liked on the radio or I learned like Beatles songs and things like that. And around the time that I was in like sixth grade, I started, um, you know, trying to figure out like harder things. Like I tried to figure out like how to play you know, really like started just really dreaming of like being able to play, you know, like Jimi Hendrix or people like that. I just like wanted to learn, you know, my heroes, like how they spoke, how they, how they, um, you know, just the connection they had to their music, their instrument. Like I wanted in, I wanted to like feel a sense of that. And, you know, and, uh, Jason Fisher, who's Eric's younger brother, he was my age and like my best friend, like in childhood. And I grew up with Eric and Jason. So like we, we were just, you know, like chosen family and really helped each other. Our families helped each other out, you know, in many ways, like over the years and um, throughout our childhood. So I knew those guys, um, you know, when we were babies and, um, Jason moved away for a little while and Eric and I got a little closer and he found out that I was playing guitar and um, he had been getting into guitar and he bought himself like a, a cheap electric guitar and that kind of galvanized <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> I don't know, it just, it was, it was kind of like, it, it did something. Wow. It was, it was it was some kind of like um I don't know like shift some kind of paradigm breakthrough that like you know happened just just with the idea of like oh man my my friend who's like an older brother than than me has you know like a electric guitar that he bought at like a pawn shop or a Goodwill and like you can plug it in and it just you know it looks so fucking cool and it sounds so good and you know maybe it didn't sound so good but like to me it it was, it was unbelievable and there, i had like this little nylon string guitar that i played until you know i got my hands on the electric guitar a little bit later but yeah you know playing with him we just instantly started just vibing and writing shit together and kind of scheming about like what we songs we wanted to make together you know what was that like early on i think i think eric had mentioned like you know doing some beatles stuff early on and covers and then you sort of moved on to your own music right that you guys were creating well i think like around that you know period it's like we had a lot of inputs and you know like eric and jason had seen the kids are all right movie wow of the who and like that was mythic like just the idea that you know um that's just what they described. It was like the shit that you read about in, you know, magazines or books about like, you know, how kind of, I mean, really like kind of transgressive, like the early iteration of that band was like just the, the kind of, you know, 
aesthetic and the the like violence the like just smashing their shit and mm-hmm. just playing with total abandon and like feedback and noise and and like energy and just keith moon's like chaotic insane rumble and like just the kind of attitude that they had and still they would you know they had great songs but it was just like there was something that was like how how is this how can this be like you know distilled down to like something on vinyl or how can this you know become like um something that's like two minutes 30 seconds of this <laughs> insane you know sound and we really got into it and when they told me about that movie it was like oh you've got to see this movie and it's, you know they're like shit's blowing up and they're like smashing things and they're like jumping around and everything's like so frenetic and so much energy and it's 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 so awesome and and um so that was like mythic by the time you know i got to see it like i was so jealous that they had seen that movie in like the movie theater you know yeah i was like man i want to see that you know like we just could barely we go to the public library and you could see like sometimes they'd show like let it be or magical mystery tour or something like that. You could see evidence of like these things that you listened to or that you read about. And, you know, we really took it to heart because there wasn't, you know, like a lot of ways to get access to things except our local record store, the Annapolis record exchange and, you know, things like that. Like, Oh, they're playing like the Beatles movies at the fucking public library. Let's go. And, you know, like, but piecing together some kind of, you know, some kind of sense of, like, what music can do, where it can go, what, like, heavy music can be, you know, you you wanted to, you heard about this shit. You heard about, like, Jimi Hendrix and Otis Redding at Monterey Pop, but you didn't get to see it unless somebody got a copy of it. And so, you know, we had a friend who was really, you know, had like a cable TV thing and a VCR. He copied, you know, he showed us things like Erga Music War when it came out and things like that. And like we got to see all this music, all this punk rock, all these bands. We were already into things like The Clash, too, and The Pistols and The Jam and listening to those records, the early records of those bands. And like we just tried to learn how to play songs so we had all the kind of classic rock stuff was in our heads and stuff from our, my cool older sister and, you know, the kind of like, uh, imprint of like music is life, you know, from my family and Eric's family, both. Cause we came from like, you know, both our, both of our parents were musicians. So, um, you know, all, that was a really strong imprint, but finding like the English punk rock, the early punk rock music and kind of like exploring it and trying to learn it, trying to like decipher it. the sonics of it and the energy of it and the lyrics. Like we just taught ourselves how to play together, learning Joe Strummer and Mick Jones guitar songs, you know, and like things like that. You know, wow. it just that was that was kind of like how we how we kind of did it, and, but we also were into like prog and shit like that, and trying to do our own kind of, you know, like early teenage years like stoner Frippinino world. Totally. So we were we had both of those kind of overlays of like wanting to 
you know, discovering fuzz boxes and plugging them into like our, uh, I had a, a tape deck all in one tape deck. It was a shitty, you know, record player tape deck radio, but you know, it had two, it had inputs on the back so we could plug our guitars and get them in stereo. Like I could be in the left and Eric could be in the right. And if you listen to most of the hated recordings, they're like, they're, we always mix that way. Interesting. But we love that. We love that sound from the beginning. Like it was a revelation to like start making recordings of, you know, the noise we were making with electric guitars and, you know, plugging in a bunch of fuzz boxes that we found and trying to like make our own kind of, you know, version of evening star, no pussy pudding by a Frippinino or trying to just like, Oh, let's, let's just like get into this kind of like improvising and making noise and making guitar, guitar sounds and fucking around with effects and things like that. So, you know, that was always like in the air with us, just the, like wanting to explore and learn shit. And we had each other to bounce off of. And, um, you know, a kid down my block who gave me an electric guitar when he heard me play was really helpful. This kid, um, Kurt, from this band, Psychotic Reaction, we're kind of like a local psychedelia kind of band in Annapolis. I just heard him playing on his porch. And, you know, I was like 12 or 13, and he, he gave me my first electric guitar. That's awesome. He like he saw me like checking him out and hearing hearing him play, you know. And he was like, "Do you play? You know, come over." And you know, I was playing this little nylon string guitar, but he just heard me kind of, you know, shred a little bit on his guitar. He was like, "You don't have an electric guitar, man." And uh, he totally hooked me up, man. Went into his garage and pulled out his old guitar and gave it to me. That rules. So like Eric and I, when we both had electric guitars from that point on, it was just like, you know, let's, let's find shit together. Yeah. And it, it really never stopped, you know, from that point on, we just like played together constantly, you know? What about, did you realize that there was some punk and art and, and hardcore right outside your door? You know, I mean, um, you, I mean, knowing not DC, not yet. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was a couple of years of like really being, you know, like kind of isolated and having our, our early adolescent, you know, years, we didn't, we didn't go into DC. We didn't go to shows. We didn't like, you know, it was very internal. It was very much our own thing. And we didn't even know, like, you know, we thought about what if we had a band, how could it be? You know, but it was really just a small group of us who, you know, John Gillis, who took like so many of like the photos of the hated, you know, was um, a really important part of the early scene and ended up playing in bands like the Motor Morons and some other things like that in the, in the area. Like he, uh, I believe John got in there with them. Um, in the early days when Eric and I were really like learning how to play our, our instruments and trying to write songs together, and you know, his dad was a jazz guitarist and had a two track um, reel to reel tape machine. And he also had a 
a really nice Fender Princeton amp. And he had like a, and John had an electric bass. So we tried to kind of like jam and figure out ways to kind of make a band. But we really, we were doing like mostly clash covers <laughs> and like, <laughs> with our like, you know, you know, just kind of like copying everything, the sound, the what, accents, what years was getting that? the words wrong. That's probably, you know, like, I don't know. I was 13, 12, 13. So, you know, um, like 81, 82. And then Eric, um, in high school, he's a few older years older than me. Like also I knew about like X Mm -hmm. and, you know, the Dead Kennedys and the Cramps and watching things like Urga Music War around then, like so many of those bands were in the that movie that were like mind blowing. So seeing like the DKs was like, what? So, you know, and you, you kind of like put that next to X and the Cramps and heard that music and we're like, what the fuck? you know, is happening. Right. Like there was, it was just such a, you know, explosion. I mean, when I, when I became friends with Colin Meter too, you know, we talked about like Prague and free jazz and, you know, things like that, <laughs> like really young. And, you know, we were into his older brother. He had an older brother too, who was into like weird Prague music and we liked that stuff. So we'd, you know, and Eric and I loved Frippinino and King Crimson. And, you know, Colin and I were like, you like Gentle Giant and King Crimson? <laughs> Shit like that. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, he ended up getting his headless bass eventually because cause he was really into Jamaluddin Takuma, who played with the Primetime, with the Ornette's mm-hmm. Primetime band. And, you know, like we would be like, you know about this music? That's cool. You know, it's like you if you found anybody who was into stuff that like, uh, you were into or that people didn't seem to be um, talking about or to have any interest in. You just like appreciated those people and, you know, tended to stick out in some way. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I remember when I kind of got to know Colin, we were in seventh grade and, you know, X went on American Bandstand and they did like, blue spark and motel room in my bed or hung, you know songs from under the big black sun you're like fuck this is awesome <laughs> you know and like you know that was that was like the raddest thing you know so like kind of getting in there with that it just was you know you just started exploring and you know we had a really cool record store with um you know people like dave Gabani who worked there who um was a really important part of the hated, you know, as we got to be a band, like, he would always turn us on to music. So if you, you know, were like, I'm kind of into the clash and it'd be like, you should check out this record, you know? And, and like, that's, that's how you found out about stuff. It was, it wasn't, it was obviously before times, it was all, you know, print media and some early cable television that your friend had, you know, um, so you could watch like how they were kind of presenting stuff, but, but it, it wasn't like defined. There wasn't like any obvious place that you would go if you were interested in shit that was not 
being force fed to you or that was like on all the radio stations all the time. I remember they played Rocky Erickson, Don't Slander Me on 98 Rock. And, uh, you know, to like hear <laughs> guys on the 13th floor elevators, he had like a, you know, it broke through for a minute almost as classic rock, which is hilarious to like think of. But I guess locally there was just fans, you know? Yeah. And they got it, they got it in the rotation and it wasn't, it, it was possible to have these little breakthroughs. And WHFS, the radio station at that time, also was locally would would play punk rock and new wave music and you would hear some of that stuff but we still didn't know about dc or you know what was happening in dc or baltimore but you know colin and i would talk about mission of burma and stuff like that because you'd hear a song on the radio once in a while and be like, did you hear that thing you know so like you get these like inputs but it was really like decoding and deciphering you know, um, an inaccessible cultural space, an inaccessible stream of information and communities. Like we didn't have a way except through kind of how we attached to like records that people gave us or right. tapes that people made for us. And so it was a little, it was, took a little while. And, um, in Annapolis in the scene, Kenny Hill, who was the drummer for the hated, and passed away at the beginning of the pandemic. He he worked at the record exchange. He was like a little older. He went and he was in the Spastic Rats before he was in the Hated. He was the drummer for the Spastic Rats. And they were the first hardcore punk band in the Annapolis scene. And they were totally like Eric's Eric's age. Tristan mm-hmm. um Tristan Lentz, um, whose brother started LSP Studios recorded the entire Annapolis scene like Les recorded everything and he was a drummer he was in bands Les was the I mean Tristan Lentz was the guitarist and singer for the Spastic Rats um Dick Whalen Greg Spate um Ned Westrick and Kenny Hill and you know like they were like playing fast and they would do some covers and some of their own original stuff and their original shit was awesome and you know like just fast powerful really exciting um heavy punk rock and thrash but they also were like you know the first time i saw them play they played moon over marin by the dead kennedys you know like they played clash city rockers you know um so like they had some of those same kind of imprints and interests, but they had access to more knowledge. Like they had gone to see some of the shows. Like, wow. like, so Kenny, when we got to know him, he, you know, he was going to hardcore shows in DC. And so like, he was really like kind of the person who was that bridge. He just like for us and the rats, all those guys, cause they were like, they were older than me you know, three, four years older than me. And I was the kid who was getting, you know, pulled into the stream by like these people who really inspired me, you know, that's Eric so cool. And his, and his high school friends. So like, you know, I really felt like ushered in and Ch- Chaz uh, Evans, who, you know, we had our first couple bands with punk bands with, 
he was also just like, oh, you got to check out all of this music. And, you know, he he's how we got like West Coast stuff, like started filling in the blanks like and he was getting it from Kenny Hill. Wow. And then, you know, like it was like seeing the decline, the movie, the decline. Yep. I don't even know like how we got to see it, but you see, you know, Black Flag and X and all of that. Um, uh, Alice Bag and all all of that fear and all those bands. Life changing. Um, yeah, it was it was it was really really incredible and like to like dig into what Black Flag was about and learn about it and then it just once once you started the gates were open with that then everything started to actually light up. Everything started to like you stopped feeling so isolated and about where you were at and started being like fuck you know this is what kids are doing in this town this is what kids are doing in this place it's like we need to find people who are into this and so finding the rats was like in our town was really like profound because it, it just meant like oh they're starting something they made a band they're like playing their own shit and they're like and they're turning us on you know like and you know, Eric and Chaz were really getting into it. They got me really into it. And we just, you know, before we knew it, we were going to shows in, I was going to shows in DC, you know. Like what? Um, and Baltimore. Just like seeing, you know, awesome bands. Like we, you know, go see Government Issue, Void, um, you know, um, Scream. All, all of these uh all these bands like you go and see them and can had seen you know minor threat you know before they broke up and you know we got in there just a little bit behind so like we just you know wanted to hear about it all and then we then the bad brains and bands like that we go and see them and you know that was really powerful like that was really catalyzing and life-changing for for all of us and you know um I'm kind of jumping around, but no, you're no, you're totally. It's it. fine. No, so, I think it's you know, cool that you guys kind of got to experience some of that, and like you said earlier, really beautifully, that you realize you weren't alone. Yeah, I mean that was huge. Like to to just feel like oh, there's you know this scene next door of like young people who are just making something so inspiring, and and um, you know like to just get in the orbit of it to get in the proximity of it and then also because ken worked at the record exchange and he was so into and he was just a omnivorous you know um music person like he just loved everything and like it, when you hung out at his place at his mom's house where roman scum was run out of there for years then started there um you just you know you just go and and really like bring a cassette and you know just try to get Ken to give you you know an awesome mixtape of like his you know cool seven inches that he had or like anything that he thought that you should hear you know and you just go over there and it'd be like oh you should see this band they're really tough you should see this they're coming coming to town you know you should go see them in baltimore or you should see them in dc you're like you should check out this this record and like he would turn us on to like local scenes around the country and just kind of understood it and, and kept up with it and you know 
because of the rats too. Like they reached out to bands they connected with a lot of bands. So like they, he just, you know, really schooled me a lot about like just how much was out there and how much was going down. And, um, you know, just, I was talking about at the show the other night, like just, you know, finding out like from Ken that like, the big boys and the dicks and all these bands and like the Austin scene or like, you know, the butthole surfers being, you know, like this, there's this Texas punk rock thing. Yeah. You'd find out about like, you know, all the West coast stuff and all the SST bands and all, all of that, like getting into like the Minutemen and listening to the Minutemen and the Husker and, um, you know, and, uh, just all these, all these, just powerful expressions and communities kind of like building up with this powerful music at the epicenter of all this activity, you know? And, um, and once you started like finding out about it, you just, you know, wanted to know more and do more. And, you know, I think that as we started to develop our own bands, write our own songs, you know, we had the benefit of having Kenny and the rats like right away, you know, they took our bands and were like, let's go, let's play shows together. And so when they had shows, they would ask us to play, whether it was like a, a house party or anywhere, like, um, our, our first kind of hardcore band that we played in a uh, fit of rage, like, um, they just always ask us to play with them. So we just got to have that experience of like, you know, like community with them and starting a scene really in our town. I mean, there was like an older punk scene um, and they were super cool to us, but, you know, we were playing really fast and, you know, all the songs were like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. They're, they're all like the speed of, you know, uh, I don't know, just breakneck like i don't know what's that descendant song where it's like i ate food i ate food, I ate food. right it's like you know it's like everything was a little bit like like that you know but um but it was it was so you know empowering to like you know discover that we could do that make our own shit together and link up with with people we, we really uh you know, had a lot of respect and, and love for. And in the process, it just kind of got, got things going in Annapolis. And um, it took a little while and it was not, it's not easy, but we built something small and enduring um, together and really like found a lot of, um, uh, strengthen each other and encouragement and also some protection and survival. So, you know, uh, all those things kind of happened over the course of, you know, a few years of like getting a little bit older, um, and taking some chances, taking some risks with like, um, getting out in the world and trying trying to do something 
like getting out in your town and your you know communities and like you know um i don't think people really knew what to do with like the early punks in the annapolis scene like around town there was a, a lot of uh pushback <laughs> to us doing anything right and you know so it, it wasn't easy and uh it, it really took a while and there were some really like difficult blows that a lot of people received. And, um, you know, we all had different versions of it. That's yeah. for sure. But there was like a lot of, a lot of like traumatic shit going on for everybody. And, um, music was the way to like, you know, uh, just find another, uh, another way to to live and to navigate the world, like, and that's that's a really intense thing to take in at a young age. Absolutely, you know, you know? realizing that you need to survive, and there's certain yeah, you, you can see it. You can this was this was a way out. Absolutely, from the punk stuff into. You know, if it was the hated or really starting to, you know, realize, okay, there's all this stuff out there. You put it together and now you've got, you've got the hated. How was that right. initially? Um, how were you perceived? What were some of those shows like? Well, Fit of Rage, you know, like played uh, a lot more shows than the early hated. Like, um, we played a lot with the rats. We played, um, a lot locally and, um, maybe did a couple of our own shows. Um, but it was still, you know, it was like a small thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like there were venues in town for like young people to do heavy, fast music. Like we had to, be creative and figure it out. I think that's why like a lot of the early shows were like in basements and stuff like that. Cause it was just, where were you going to do this? Right. Like we're all like young and there was no like place for it. And also it was aggressive in your face. Um, you know, powerful, like young music. It was not, it, it was not, we didn't look like anything that people uh, were comfortable with and we didn't sound like anything that people were comfortable with. And, you know, so like there was a lot of um, difficulty just figuring out like, how do we do this? What do we do? You know, like the rats, like I think they got a vehicle before anybody else and they could like go and play shows out of town and do some things like that. So they had it like more together, like, and, and Ken, like, you know, really like wrote to people and connected to people, uh, connected to people in different bands and different record labels. And, you know, um, he was just smart that way and like cared about it and, um, just worked really hard to like let people know there's a scene here, there's bands here, um, y'all should check out these bands and mm -hmm. you know, like you should come here and play a show or we can, you know, so like, you know, fit of rage played with the faction 
he came out and that was really like intense to have those guys come and um you know but there was also like violence and you know shit that happened at the shows that was really difficult and like kind of just real hostility between um you know kind of like uh biker kids <laughs> and all kinds of you know just stuff that was like going on that just there was a disconnect and there was just a real threat that people felt from us and then there was also um other kinds of issues that were going on um there's a, a lot of racial tension in our town there was all kinds of difficulties with that too and so um there was a lot to kind of navigate <laughs> i'll just put it that way and um no matter what way you went there was problems there wasn't you know like uh there weren't like cool advocates around who were gonna like tell you how to do things right and at that point we didn't have you know uh we didn't know a lot of the people in the bands that we really loved or have like we went to their shows but we were just starting to like you know get the courage to ask questions like, how do you do this how do you do this um give our tape to people that we really dug things like that you know it took it took a little while to like get those that kind of courage to just kind of um find those people and ask them how they did it and so you know the rats really you know set a kind of a pace for us of like it's possible to be a band even in this town a punk band in this town and you know we're going to take you along with us and i think that that was just like if there was any kind of template there was that and you know hated later when we uh, had been playing for a little while when we found moss icon it was like the same same kind of thing we just felt like oh man these are this is the most awesome band like we're just we just are like family like right from the get like we just uh we're, we're really like instantly connected and you know felt like oh you know i think if you if you talk to tony about it or you talk to john or monica or mark or you talk to any of the people in the hated like we all felt like we didn't we loved going to dc and dc was inspiring the hell out of us but like we felt when we found each other like we've got our own thing and we can we don't need to go anywhere wow. like we can just work we can just like build something ourselves and you know uh but that you know that took time it took like you know it, it now looking back in retrospect it all happened really um rapidly but um what did you feel you guys were building when you kind of felt connection with with Tony and Moss Icon and those others? Like, what did you what did you feel you were building? Well, I you know maybe building's not the right word, but I mean it just felt like you know still a, a very small scene. So like finding you know a, a band that was that immediately simpatico with what you were trying to do, and like and doing you know we clearly like were into similar shit and connected around like you know ideas of um not replicating 
kind of inherited um, normative mainstream inputs of like music and, and culture. Like we're interested in underground music and expression and young people doing things <laughs> and totally this thing the kind of like dominant culture that we perceived around us which just felt like always insufficient like that didn't mirror what was really going on um with youth or anything except kind of you know uh reinforcing its own um structures of power and so we're interested i think all of us had ideas about that <laughs> and you know wanted to find ways to dismantle um things that we found to be really oppressive to everything to just like whether it was like racial violence whether it was um economic violence <laughs> whether it was, you know, um, starting to wake up to like our own kind of complicity as, you know, North Americans living in, in this country that had so much power and, and, um, and just becoming kind of like aware of like a bigger picture of the, of the world that, you know, extended, you know, uh, far beyond what we, could experience or see directly and also at home we just like felt like um you know the local press and police were targeting young kids and like youth culture that was like you know a blight on the town <laughs> and um we were just like all right well we're gonna make our own zines we're gonna make like our own expression we're gonna like talk about the shit and you know make our own you know, Ken starting Berman Scum and Eric starting uh, the zine that he started. Um, like all of that just felt like we were kind of like, we're trying to just reach out and connect and find like anybody who felt like similarly, like anybody who like was into this music or into like um, just finding some other way. I and, love you know I think I think like there's this kind of like dismantling idea that was in the air for sure and like there was a lot of like um you know ideas like kind of sometimes like militant ideas but um but overwhelmingly with us like we weren't we weren't just into like sloganeering or or things like that you know or just being like totally didactic in our, our approach to like lyrics or being in a band or anything like that we weren't scared of it and like the early hated i mean the symbol of our band was like uh really interesting that eric came up with that you know we really saw like you know the hated sounds kind of like you know ran a punk band name you know like just any <laughs> it's like whatever you know, it's like, okay, it's kind of like the damned, but not. It's kind of like nihilism and all these things. But like when Eric had that vision of like what the band should be like, and he saw that symbol of like that name on the American flag, it was like, yeah, 
that's this is like um this is just kind of like at its root a foundational like schism that mirrored what we felt as kids who uh couldn't accept what what we're being conditioned to um carry on right that's uh, beautiful by, by the world that we were encountering politically and socially and, and culturally just like we we had had the good fortune of like being given really powerful tools by people in our families and older mentors like you know um who were giving us windows into things and um i think when we like the the more you got into it, you know, I've, I've kind of said this in a couple of different places, but you know, like, like listening to like the Minutemen and stuff like that, it's like you did want to follow up on the shit that they were saying. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And, you know, when you read interviews with them and they talked about like their politics and their ideas, you know, or when they'd say stuff at their shows, like it was like, you know, you found out about like, you know, they were singing and naming death squads in El Salvador and, and, you know, um, Contras in Nicaragua and the like money streams and the like complicity of the U.S. in, uh, destabilizing and and fucking with um progressive movement in different parts of the world and you know we're also like thinking about apartheid and connecting that and so you know starting to like take part in actions was also part of what we were doing and i'd grown up as a child of civil rights movement and um my mother was really involved in uh, activism and organizing and and also raised us with that um, intent and that sense of connection um, to that um, both organizing and like the kind of spiritual aspect of it that Dr. King kind of represented like of transforming, you know, society and, and transforming yourself and um, nonviolence and, and uh, also um just just trying to find harmony and i grew up in a biracial family and like there was a lot of difficulties that we faced that the kids faced that the parents faced and um you know like so like i i know that i was really shaped by those ideas like as a young person coming up you know when i saw uh bands like uh the bad brains or beefy or any of those bands that you know ha had people of color in the bands or seeing like marginal men play you know in the early days in their shows and just being like man this is so awesome this is like you know it's not just any one thing like you you noticed 
when there were like people of color in, in bands, for sure. You notice when there were girls in bands, you notice that like, um, even though this seems like still like very much like a kind of like white boy culture and view of punk rock and things like that, there are like all these indications that there are other ways that this could go too. And that, that like, that the kind of radical, um, you know, uh, expression that was happening and community and implication of the politics and ideas and the action and the expression, like, could be realized more and more. Like, people could just um, show up and start start making things and, like, get past the limitations and the rules and the lanes that people are supposed to stay in. So yeah, seeing bands like the Bad Brains was life changing for me because I was like, I want to play heavy music like that, you know. I want to, I want to be like them, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, and I saw that with like a lot of bands, just feeling like it's possible, you know, and feeling like black, brown people everywhere can, you know, do all this heavy music and radical music and you know it it fits with everything that i was taught and believed you know to to um do that in whatever way felt true and authentic and real and i was really inspired by like the people that i saw you know being bold and and um stepping out and doing it and starting bands (laughs) yeah Um, you know and similarly you know it's like so anytime that you, anytime that you, you know, found evidence of like people who felt the way that you did, it, I just couldn't emphasize it enough. If there was anything being built, it was just something that felt more like inclusive and inclined towards liberation ideas, like in all respects, in politics, music, in art um in communities just like you know we didn't need like a whole lot of approval or yes from anybody and that's like that spirit was very like punk and hardcore to us it's like you know we didn't need people to sign off on it it's nice when people say yes but like we just needed to do it for ourselves and for our friends and then you know we saw what labels like Discord were doing in their town, like documenting it. Like, this is what we're doing. This is what all these people are doing who are in our orbit and, you know, in our scene. And that was like, oh, yeah. Kenny Kenny felt a similar thing. You know, he was definitely inspired by it. Like, there's something going on here and there's a bunch of bands. And, like, let's let's make a tape and put it out. And let's, you know, make a compilation of all these bands and put it out. And, you know, we did it. Like, it wasn't on the same scale as other scenes, but that didn't matter. It just mattered that we were actually documenting it on our own terms and expressing it authentically. Right. And that helped all of us feel like, you know, the sense of camaraderie, connection, kinship, chosen family, all those things that we found in each other. And uh, so, you know, 
thing with Boss Icon, it was just, it just felt like, oh yeah, this, you know, um, we instantly just felt like in their presence, in their music, like these are our brothers and sisters, you know, like mm-hmm. we want to just like be where you guys are. You know, everybody felt that way. And, you know, they knew about our band. And as soon as we knew about them, we were just like, let's do some shit. And from the beginning we did. So, and, and until the end we did, you know, our last show was with them. Wow. So, you know, like, uh, there was just a, a real, like, supportive, inspiring, um, small community. And it was enough to, like, get a lot of us through. Not everybody made it to the other side, whatever the other side was. Um, I mean, the other side of, like, adolescence or... <laughs> You know, like, um, you know, we, we don't have everybody with us, but like a lot of us, all of us who did survive, <laughs> um, really owe a lot to each other and we all know it. Like, that's really so beautiful. I know. I, I, no, I think long-winded. it's not, yeah, it's not long-winded. I didn't sleep last night. Dan, so you're fine. No, you're perfect. <laughs> you're perfect. What, what I think if I'm, if I'm cat, if I'm trying to put this in and sort of bring in hardcore a little bit and yeah. you know, we'll, we'll, we will talk about the, the hated word or if that guy yeah. actually joked about that, the hated, um, but basically like the, there was this necessity of I have to do this. No one's telling me, no one wants me to do this. It's like, I just have to do this. And I see that in interesting, you know, similarities to a lot of bands that I talked to that made a sound early on and just did it. And it ended up being X or ended up being Y and things can move and change. But there's such a, and I think the DC connection of, you know, the politics and the, the way that you know you sort of if you, if anyone hasn't spent time there you know that's listening like it's such a it's a fucking weird city to walk into it's not yeah. like anywhere else other than i mean when i walked by the un in in new york it's a little bit but like not really right. but that's where yeah, i just think there's so much it, going on yeah. in the world that you're yeah. this is fucked up i'm aware and the way that it came out through music where you were this you know, invested in this thing and you had to do it. That's when I start to see the, the, the peak of light coming through for emo core or email. Like, it's just, I have to do this. I know I'm going to be emotional. (laughs) It might not be pretty. It might not be the most, um, sonic thing, but I am doing this authentically and there's no, there's no bullshit right now. And this is how you see me and take it or leave it. Right. Yeah, I get that. And I I think that, I think that, you know, part of the like defiance that we all felt and the kind of um, refuge we found in each other to kind of explore and enact what that defiance meant to each other within the context of our scene, our town, you know, we didn't, DC was really important to us and there were exemplars and like had, had gone further and, and, you know, everybody knows about um, so many of those bands that, you know, we were at those shows and, 
we were blown away by it as it was going down. And, and like, you know, um, I was thinking about it the other day that just like talking to somebody about like what it was like to like, Eric and I were talking to somebody about like how a good show was like a, a life altering event. Like, you know, there were, there were, there were good shows that you go to where it's like, it'd be a band that you dug or that you were really interested in. And, you know, maybe there was something awesome about the, the, uh, the bands that played or something wasn't as great as you wanted it to be. But if you went to a show and you were completely uprooted and unsettled and, you know, challenged to your core about like, what was possible and you know that the aperture through which you saw the world expanded or was just straight out obliterated shattered like that's what you wanted to be there for not not because you just wanted i just need to have my mind blown it's not that it's just like you wanted to see and understand where people were coming from and you wanted to be there for like the possibility that something new could be posited like by people who felt as strongly about what they were doing as you and your crew did wow so you know that's what it was like seeing some of those bands and that's what it felt like to us so I don't think, you know, we had like some big measure of, you know, how to gauge what authenticity was or like even where, where to put the defiance. Like there was no template that like would match up to scale with how small our scene was or how weird our town was. You know, it wasn't like DC, but it was, it had its own things. It had its own historical divides it had its own um socioeconomic weirdness it had its own veneer of um you know like tourist trade and mm-hmm. you know in in our teenage years we watched like downtown annapolis be a place that had a historical black community and had a historical uh you know um marketplaces and places where people would go down by the docks to get food and grocery stores for people and movie theaters that people would go and see films, you know, like, and all these kind of things, they all just went like within a few years. It's like the whole economy shifted to straight tourist economy and veneer of like, you know, forcing people out of areas, economically pressurizing um forces that made it harder for you know the town ceased to be the place where people really lived and became more naval academy military industrial world and you know then the kids across the street who were reading marx and plato at saint john's you know where eric and i's parent you know fathers taught and then you know like these strains of places like in Annapolis, just incredible, like rich history of like music and culture that is so like profound, the more you dig, 
and um but you could just kind of like also just not know anything about it just go through like and see it as a sailboat town where the naval academy is Mm -hmm. with like a bunch of like um i don't know like I, i don't know tourist you know like trinkets that you could buy and shitty yuppie restaurants and things like that but you know there's always like another part of annapolis that had a more like small town and weirdly um dynamic and uh and um unique kind of expressions that 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 continued to come forth and um you know and the whole dmv area is like that like so we connected up with bands that were from virginia we connected up with bands from dc there were bands in baltimore there were bands all around like saverna park <laughs> like there was just not um there was there was uh, no place where it couldn't where something couldn't happen and you know if you went to a show and some kid like was selling a seven inch of bands from their scene, you would just totally want to check that out. Like, I don't, I don't know how many times like we did things like that, where we just found out about bands because somebody brought like a limited run of like seven inches that they made from their local scene and, and we're selling it in shows or like, you know, that you'd find things like that. And you take a chance because, you know, you read something in the back of the zine, like, oh, that sounds really cool. I'm going to write to that band, you know, or you would trade tapes with people and all that stuff like happen in real time. It was analog world. (laughs) So, you know, like there, there was a, you, you didn't always have all of the access points are all of the information, but you really work with whatever you got. And it really like mattered. Right. And you really tried, really tried to take it in. And, uh, you know, so I do think like we had a sense of like this, like, yeah, here's our shit and we don't care what you think about it. We got to do it for sure. You're, I think you're on to that. Um, but, um, I don't know. We also, from, from really early on, you know, and you can hear that if you listen to like the best piece of shit that we just put out there with uh, Numero, you can really hear that from the beginning, you know, especially with like the song kind of songs that Eric was writing and the kind of things that he was writing about. But um, maybe I was, you know, I was getting there too in my own way, but I feel like, he just started from a much more expansive view of what, what it was we were doing. Like he started from a sense of like connecting up to all of these lineages of music and streams of music. And I shared in it, I knew what it, what it was, but he was bold enough to just kind of do it in his own songs. So from early on that was there and so you know i when i hear you talk about like emo core and things like that 
And when I hear people say, you know, like hated was part of the, you know, antecedents or part of like this early wave of this, I don't know myself. Like I didn't self-consciously align myself or think that way at all. Even though my brother was trying to tell me I should just tell you that I invented it. So what's funny is, and I'm happy to know what's <laughs> so was f- like, no, man, you got to. Really? You gotta make sure that you say that you you invented everything. What's... That's all your your fault. But like, but what what I really wanted to say was, uh, you know, like if you really dig in, and you look at at what was going on with us, you can hear it on those recordings. Like, it's thrash, it's melodic. Then there are acoustic songs that really don't sound anything like what we are hearing in the punk scene or um the hardcore scene or the post-punk scene or like the psychedelic scene but there were like little bits of all of those things and we didn't even necessarily know what it was we were just still working with kind of like just a sense of experimental like fervor and like pleasure in like trying to find shit together that um and also just like you know, really trusting each other with like the shit we were writing. Right. And you know that you can hear it. If you listen to like a song, like never is always around on that. We just, you know, put out, you know, that's like a tape that Eric wrote and played by himself, sent me that tape. Um, you know, while I was working with the rest of the hated, trying to like play songs that Eric wrote, you know, and trying to write my own. And Eric was abroad. He was in, in Israel and he was, you know, living on a kibbutz and working in a factory. And he like sent me these songs, you know, and that, that felt like, Oh man, yes. This is this is when we you know when we were starting to hate it, and never is always around. You can listen to that, and it just doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like, I don't know what it sounds like. It sounds like Eric. It sounds like you know, um, like as powerful to me hearing him playing acoustic guitar and singing something slow and stark and um dark and uh you know it's really moving it's really like powerful and he didn't need you know huge amps to do it like and it's it's just this lo-fi buzzy recording that he made on a box but i heard those songs or restlessness is empty i heard those things and i i never got away from like I, I couldn't escape like the impact that they had on me and i felt like this is totally what it's about to me is like you know the music does all that we listen to is really varied and and has a lot of um reach and range like the kind of stuff that we're interested in and you know he was the first one of us in our crew in our scene to my mind who started to like just 
um, explore that at the root. Like the shit that I write can be like full band, raging, anthemic, powerful, you know, it could be like, Hey, mister. Um, and it can be like, never is always around or restlessness is empty. It can be like super intimate and quieter and more like, you know, influences of like acoustic music and folk music and, um, and experimental music. And it's like, it was always kind of creeping in and, you know, making tape experiments and noise experiments. Like it didn't, it just felt personal. It just felt like, um, you know, like just digging into what you were about and trying to, trying to understand it and trying to convey it. And, you know, having a band and having your friends was like a way to kind of just um, contextualize it and share it and let it speak and see if like, you know, anybody felt similarly. And, you know, well, that's what I mean. You're, you're putting yourself out there. And that was that I, I, so I, I'm happy to skirt around it. Because here's my here no here is my admit when I heard about you guys I didn't yep. know about you back then I had no idea yeah. I didn't know the connection and over the years like people told me Jawbreaker was email emo and I was like what are you yep. talking about it's a punk band but okay whatever but right. I feel like just like I have a stack of records behind me you know that I go through and I learn about yeah. things or people send me records it's the same thing with this like even if you guys were there in those moments you're in that time during revolution summer and then someone yeah. says that you were a part of it hearing you talk yeah there's the roots of eric going i'm going to fucking do this cuz i have to and i'm going to make this sound quiet and loud and i'm going to make this thing right. beautiful it, it is the mic it is the microcosms it is the it is the cell structure of later and so I, yeah. I it's it's there I just think it's it's as you're talking I, I'm just mesmerized because it's you're you're going deep with yourself and you're learning how to communicate and right. and when you get emotional you don't communicate well so how do you control that and controlling right. it is in a song and so I I just uh -huh. you're you, you, we're, we're not saying the word but we really are and I I, I didn't know about you guys I had to learn. I Ken taught, you know, Ken, you know, Shipley was kind of explaining this stuff. And I was like, oh, fuck. You know, every day is a new day for me. If there's a new band, like I'm stoked right. that I haven't heard. Yep. So I just, even if we didn't say the word, which is maybe the first time ever on the show, what you're saying in the way that you're describing the way that you were connecting to the political climate or all those things, and you're trying to find a way to do it and you had to, that's it. Yep. yep. I get it. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I might resist nomenclature <laughs> in okay. general. It's okay. But, you know, like, I'm interested in it. And I'm interested in it chiefly because, you know, um, because people, you know, will put labels on things and they'll, they'll talk about, you know, lineages of bands and things like that. And that's all very nice and interesting. It's, it's very, like, neat and studious even and manicured <laughs> yeah. you know it's like uh you know it's like it all, it all seems to like cohere and you know it only starts to fall apart when i think about like well what makes this different from anything else mm -hmm. that that does this to me 
because all music does that to me. I mean, that's what Ian told me, and he's told you know everybody in countless interviews. Like, what most what music isn't emotional, right? What isn't? What what doesn't you know like? Um, I don't know. I just do a have, podcast. Have some kind of like <laughs> alchemical process that is otherwise nameless that results in like people forming small temporal communities that make a noise that they want to hear together and that like translates whatever the fuck they're going through and like speaks some kind of authenticity into the air and people um, resonate with that or they don't, you know? And like, you know, to me, like um, when the hated was a band, you know, like I was as inspired by Nick Drake's records that a friend of mine had turned me on to. I didn't know that music, you know, I, I, it wasn't like readily available. And like, I heard that and thought like, oh, that's the same thing that I hear in Eric's, you know, songs, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that just like depth and, and, um, just like, I don't know, people could call it a high lonesome sound and say like that, that's kind of like, you know, whatever the mountain music or the old folk songs. And then it becomes this, or it's like the Delta and it's the blues and it becomes this. And, you know, it's like how we contextualize it and talk about it. I guess what, what fascinates me most, if you're going to talk about music is how nothing comes unannounced. Like even the, you know, huge kind of ruptures that can happen with like art and cultural expression even then you like take those kind of like moments and you go like this is when shit really like (laughs) happened this is when it broke down this is when you know the floodgate opened up this is when somebody you know started like that a thousand generations had slammed their bodies against the wall and this this person like got through the crack you know, <laughs> it's like, right. I don't know. There's still like all these, just anywhere you look, if you start digging, you just find them. Like I heard, you know, Tristan and Ned and Kenny sing, you know, the song, I stand alone, you know, as in the spastic rats with this riff, you know, and like it moved me and it felt like all of the things that we're talking about, they were just like a punk band like a awesome local hardcore original punk band you know like but it impacted me on all those levels that you're talking about for sure um you know when i heard rights of spring play live or heard beat theater play live i felt that too they didn't sound anything like each other you know but they were a hundred percent down (laughs) with you know that was that was how it came across at the time that's like, so it interesting. Was, it, it was not about like any kind of homogeneity of of aesthetics. Just doing ideas, our shit. There was, We're doing our but shit. There was this intent that was just like palpable and invested at, at a personal level. Mm-hmm. And that was inspiring to like witness that for sure. But it also was consistent with all the shit that already turned us on. Like whether whatever form it was in, you know. Like, 
the first time that I heard John Coltrane. The first time that I heard, you know, Ascension or Miles Davis. Yep. Or the first time that I heard, you know, any number of these. It's it's all right, Ma. I'm only I'm only um, bleeding. What is it? You know that Dylan song. Oh. Or um, Eric you know, would hate me. First... I worked with Dylan, and I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know you can fix that one. But you know, <laughs> but you know the first time you hear something like that, mm-hmm. it totally does that too. You know, and it it just feels like, well, what's being invoked? You know, even the idea of like revolution or renaissance starts with what at the level of like you know just grammatical linguistic construction of language i'm talking completely above my pay pay grade i have no idea what i'm talking about (laughs) but like you know like it's re yeah it's renaissance right renascent reading i don't know what the cognates are what the roots are revolver re, re revolution revolution summer. You know? all right so you know it's like it's not it, you know we like to like think like it's unannounced and then this breach this break happens and some kind of you know event precipitates all of this activity but i don't know i'm just more inclined to think that there are like evolutionary tendencies that like take place because of community and movement and what moves people what what uh what needs to be you know expressed and that's driven by communities that's driven by small communities as much as it's driven by mass communities but on a smaller level you do feel like maybe we can even if it feels a little bit conspiracy like you know like um and not in a malignant sense but in the kind of like punk rock sense that I like to think of it, which is, you know, like entrustment, like, you know, of discovering something. It's like somebody goes, you need to hear this, this fucking tape. You need to hear this band. You'll, you'll appreciate this, you know? And you feel like, Oh, well maybe how many, how many moments like that happen for every musician that ever, like had the courage or the, you know, um, ill-advised or, or well-advised to just like step up to a mic somewhere. Right. Like there had to be just all of these catalytic, catalytic moments and events where somebody who had done that and tried that said, and, or, or, or represented themselves and you know you witness it and you go like fuck like i feel like you know like that makes sense to me that's some kind of like sanity or that's some kind of window into some something that's not just this bullshit right and then you're just like i want some of that how do i do that i can't fucking you know, I can't play like Jimi Hendrix, but I want to play like Jimi Hendrix, you know, at, at some point you just have to like both self-authorize, but also 
you need exemplar, you need example, and you need like evidence that like somebody somewhere stepped to that mic. And, you know, then you have to decide like if there's two people here or if there's a hundred people or if there's nobody, do I got to do this? And, you know, if you have a few friends, you know, it makes it feel like a little more like maybe we can make something happen here. And those, I'm, I'm not trying to be like too precious about it, I hope. I'm just really like feel like um, that's what I mean when I say like the nomenclatures are not stable and they don't hold up under scrutiny for me. But that doesn't mean we don't have to use them. Right. Like, we have to have to be able to speak about it and i'm interested in like hated as some kind of like emo band in a lot of people's minds because i feel like if they really look at what we did it'll be like at very least evidence that it's a little complicated absolutely it doesn't, to it doesn't totally line up in any one way just like i was trying to express about seeing you know like the theater and rights of spring play or something like that it's like it totally lines up if you were there like in a way that i wish more people would address but i you know i don't really know who addresses i don't i don't really even know what that means but <laughs> but it seems like it seems like an interesting thread to kind of examine because it's like you know like there's other kind of um sonic information there's but but there's like simpatico vibe all the way through that's um and shared intention and space shared space space time and place yep and to me that is like yes that's what a scene is it's like you're not trying to like homogenize you're not trying to like create currency for one idea or like you know kind of um create some kind of you know honor some kind of archetype you know we are we were always trying to dismantle ourselves maybe we were like a little ruthless and merciless with ourselves um in certain respects and um you know but i think we wanted to we wanted to change our circumstances of our lives and, you know, we really sought that out with like the art that we found that inspired us. And it was always that way. And it's still that way. And I, so, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I'm interested. I don't know how to trace that lineage myself because I just can't connect those dots. You can. Right. I, I think, I think it's, like I said, I didn't know about you guys. There's obviously things that happen in smaller scenes in other mm -hmm. cities where people might be yeah. doing something at the same time. It's but it's really interesting that your background, you know, is so close to DC, which is then where yeah. most people mention it. But yeah. I'm I'm actually I am on your like way of like I don't need to make these lineages and people right. sometimes go to me and they're like, Well, why is one thing one and the other? And I go I don't know. You weren't there. There's a there's a there's a feeling, and I I just it's there's, and it's and it's okay either way. 
right? Like right. Uh, metal, punk, whatever word we're using, for some reason this one is viscerally hated or cast. <laughs> or if you're making I'm kind of interested no, in but if you're making a but if you're making a fuckload of money, if you're making yeah. a fuckload of money, you use this word, you know, mm. like you know you've you make these tires bald by the time you're done with it because of right, what right, the right. word sort of does so i have these back and forths around this word where i actually really appreciate you sort of you were literally kind of doing you know we're all made of stars we're not going to get too trippy but like nope. it's like we're all kind of fucking made of stars everything's emotional great but these little pieces i can see in certain things as i've watched this genre and I can I can see the lineage. I could also say, you know, you just happen to be next door kind of thing, and right. that happened. But that's okay too because that's yeah. the happy accident of you running into Eric or your parents being into music. Like that's fucking beautiful, regardless. Mm. Thank you, man, and thank you for seeing it. Like, I mean, I I uh, I'm I'm down for the discussion. Like, I'm I'm interesting. I mean, when I when I heard like. Um, uh, my brother sent me that interview that you did with Guy. I, I really liked some of the things that he said about it. Like, I really appreciated just kind of his uh, willingness to kind of like, you know, um, consider that there's like alliance, there's a sense of alliance, um, and. Uh, you know, connection that people feel and identification that people feel. And that can happen at any time in any place. And if, you know, you think about like people finding some strength or some um, encouragement or some sense of like, you know, I can, I can, I can find community by signaling and identifying other people who share, you know, some of my like interests and, and joys and beliefs and the, some of the purpose that I feel. And of course that like, gets represented in like music and the things that we listen to. And, um, you know, I think you guys were talking about just kind of like, you know, what happens when, uh, trans kid in Southeast Asia is like listening to this music and being like me and my friends like helped each other get through like dealing with really fucked up circumstances um, by you know like just finding each other and listening to this stuff and connecting around the, that you know it might not be the the refuge itself but it's a, it's part of like what can link people and help people discover uh discover each other and you know it, that's a kind of just one example but like you know that i i seem to remember y'all kind of like like digging into um and i appreciated that because it's like well i feel more alliance and more connection to that too than i do um you know the idea of like some um entitled white boy screaming at his girlfriend about how his life is shit feelings were hurt right that's you know, the, like it, yeah i, I so think like to me like i'm like okay I, I don't really care about that and i don't really relate to it myself but like there's other things that are being talked about if you talk about you know hated or you talk about like these dc bands or you talk about rights of spring and 
Beefeater and Embrace and all those bands, or if you talk about Moss Icon, or if you talk about, um, I don't, you know, I just don't, wouldn't even know where to start. I just know that like all of these bands that, you know, were around at a particular time in a certain locale kind of get lumped into something. Um, How do you feel about that then? I, you know, I, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, if, if people are, are benefiting and connecting, you know, when they're in pressurized and dangerous situations and they find in that music for them, you know, they might name it something like emo. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they might like connect to some of these bands that I just mentioned or something like that. And there's so many more, you know, I just don't, I got to know a little bit more about it than probably Eric did because Ida played with bands and we found out, oh, there's all these these bands that cared about the Annapolis scene or they care about Ida. And, you know, it's just we didn't sound the same as everybody else. So it's like, you know, I'd be surprised to find out like, oh, you guys know about this stuff? And then right. I'd find out, you know, like, oh, you know, uh, these are these bands that uh, a lot of people connect to and feel strongly about. You know, I didn't, I didn't put things together because I wasn't a, really a participant. I was doing something else. I felt like, um, but I definitely intersected with more of those bands. Like, um, and I have plenty of things to say about that. And really, there were things that were really moving that I found out that were really like, um, cool and inspiring from from bands that i just couldn't imagine like you know we inspired you know other people or you know we did one tour you know it's just like you know when you hear about like people uh saying like i wanted to start a band after i saw your band or something like that that's like really awesome that's like amazing that's an amazing thing right um so in that spirit that's what what i'm kind of like talking about that i think is really profound and and powerful and and kind of like um empowering and transformative it can be like music can be that i know it was for me and i know it was for you know so many people that i came up with and so if there's somebody anywhere who connects to this and you know i don't have any problem with the gateways you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't have any feeling of prohibition about like how somebody gets to the lineages for themselves. Cause you know, the part of what makes the lineages suspect and part of what makes them beautiful is that it's different for everybody. Like you find your way in the way that you find your way in, you know? And you know, depending on how interested you are and, and how invested you are in that, you're going to like dig deep or you're not, you know? Well, that's and what I just feel like that's, when... that's, that's it. And then it's, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And I feel like alliance with, with people who feel as pressurized and scared and isolated as I did as like a young person and like who felt, you know, um, targeted and um like like life was dangerous like like you said you didn't see anybody like you doing what you were doing until those shows right 
Yeah. I mean, that, that really, like, we felt like um, we recognized it, but, you know, like, what we had was each other to bounce off of. And, you know, our ideas about, like, the bands, the records, the music that w- we were inspired by. But, you know, going to see shows was all about that, was, like, evidence, evidence of, like, of activity, of, of community. And, you know, that is, that is amazing. Any way you can get there, like, in this time, any way that you can, you know, break free of the kind of, um, I think, kind of, like, subtly and coarsely um, coercive illusion of kind of consensual uh, 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 consensus, like a sense that we all agree, you know, and and feeling empowered by that sense of, of that feeling of consensus. Like I go online and everybody says, this is the band. This is the record I should listen to. Or this is the time when things were good, right? Mm-hmm. Or this is like the, the the community that is the most interesting. This is the like um, this is the this is the area where like I I feel like the most most aligned or you know like that that could be like that could be where all the the good shit is, and like that that can have like enormous connective power to like use all those tools to you know connect you to different inputs and different sources of information and that has immense value but it's and harder then you and harder realize it's it. harder and harder to step outside of that and to just take the risk to connect with people in some kind of free space that you make together I always thought about like the happy accident. Like it was the one kid that had the shirt of the band that wasn't as cool, but he was close. Right. Right. And you hung with him, and then you realized that that was laundry day and he actually had all those records or he was super or she was super into that stuff. And you ended up connecting. I, It's almost, and I liked going to a show. And again, I didn't know who, and I didn't know what the bands were going to sound like. I just, someone had said, just go. And I'm not saying I want that again. I love doing all of my research and I know the songs and I know when the set time is and I know how to park and pay for it before I even get there. I love that. But I do love the unknown. I do love that moment of we all somehow made it here and we're about to listen to something together for the first time. And it's, I'm in a small town that has very few things going on. And I kind of liked not knowing what else was going on because then it would have fucked up like, oh, everyone's supposed to dress like this or everyone's supposed to be. And then something new didn't happen. That's what I, that's what I hate about this word. When you, when other people maybe think of emo, there's the constant jokes, the, 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 the belt, the V-necks, warp tour, all these things. And it's sort of a... I, you know, you hear that word and then you kind of do your own thing and you're making your own soup. And I, I want, I, I, I sometimes, you know, turn off, I have records, I have CDs and it's just, you sort of go back to that moment and it's harder and harder. Like you said. 
yeah, it's harder and harder to find. I think for like kids now, it's just like, um, you know, I mean, just talking to my daughter about some of this stuff just the other day, you know, it's like just the, the sense of like, I mean, she was kind of talking about how like on punk for, for all of, for all of like the kind of, the kind of, you know, senses, senses, how, you know, how does, how, how, um, despite the sense of like, you know, people have a, a, a lot of inspiring ideas of, you know, kind of rejecting, you know, authoritarian systems and structures of power and, and, um, language and trying to, you know, like, um, take it apart and reassess and recontextualize and reframe things. And, but I think she was kind of getting at some of the things that I feel too, but in a real direct experiential level of like, you know, feeling like people are really like crippled by how embedded we all are. But she was talking about, you know, kind of her generation in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, by like the, by like the grip of being embedded, you know, in like all of these, uh, technological now really deeply personal, um, uh, connections we have with technology and, and how, how we connect with each other. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to just like step out of that and to exist at all. Like, <laughs> you know, you have to kind of engage it and, you know, people don't feel like empowered to really step outside of it and get together in different ways and do things in different ways. Like, so actually like there's, I think she was just kind of reacting to it. Like, fuck, it's actually like, it's, it's just not like it should be conducive to punk and things like that, but it's actually not as, as conducive as you would think. Like, um, because people still have to extricate from that. And we don't necessarily need, it's, it's maybe not a baby bathwater situation so much as, um, as one side is so overdetermined right now. And so our embeddedness in the technology and in the media is so profound and paralyzing that it's just really hard to like, identify and find the spaces yes but also to step outside of that kind of virtual space and just like throw down get, get down to it and be and be you know unmediated with uh you know <laughs> I, I didn't even mean to be punning about unmediated but um but yeah like just like it felt really good to be in a fire hall playing the the first hated show in 30 years and have everything that could go wrong in a punk rock fire hall show since the first one uh go wrong you know the like pa that somebody brought to like do the show like blows up 
um, everything's, you know, making noise. You can't hear anything. Somebody else has a PA. Maybe we can get it. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody is going to like, who came to the show can like help out with the setup. You so know, exactly as planned. Like exactly like <laughs> everything that could kind of fall apart, fell apart. Everything <laughs> happened that needed to happen. And it just felt like really like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what hated shows were always like. This is what this is. Except, you know, when Gus did sound for like all of the punk rock bands and the DMD area, like he'd come out and he'd, he'd had his rig and it was set up. It was good to go. But, you know, like, uh, but at the same time, like when we tried to do things on our own, it was always like that. Just piece together whatever, whatever you got and we'll call it a show or something. Yeah. But it felt like really like beautiful to get to, you know, play that music with those people in a space like that, have so many people, you know, from all the eras of our lives show up and um, people traveled and a lot of people who, you know, weren't born when we were, when we played our last show, you know, were there and it was awesome. And, you know, like, I don't know what I'm getting at, but like all of that, all of, all of that unexplored, unplanned for shit is kind of, is awesome and that that really you know is what i'm talking about it's like i i wish like all the young bands really could fuck up as much as we did like and find each other and fuck up some more and figure out what you were about without like having to um you know have every moment kind of as a blip stream somewhere in perpetuity right um you know like from your the first note that you play um until you first realize that you don't necessarily want to even be in a van with this person going down the road or something like that mm -hmm. <laughs> or you're like or you figure out no th these are the people i gotta be in a van with going down the road you know forever for as long as i can you know be here i want to i want to i want to do this with these people and you know it, it's just being able to figure that out i think people can do it but you have to it's harder and it seems like certain things you know it's kind of being sold it's like it's more possible it's more it's easier now but like i don't know i think it's a lot harder and i think it's a lot harder to like um just put yourself out there and be willing to like, I don't know, for want of a better word, fuck up or fail or fall well, right. apart well, or, or discover shit. That, no, I, I feel like that, that connection is with, there's this nature to feel you have done this thing, post about it. What's the response from it? Let me get that dopamine and then I'll do it again versus, you know, I, I remember, you know, when I was at a punk label, like, the bands that toured on their own and put out their own records when they came to us were a lot yeah. more prepared and together than the band coming thinking they could sign to the label and just all of a sudden be famous like right. and for punk famous you know what i mean but that band that was like yeah we already put out a record uh we sell this much merch and we're thinking about this this and this and we've shot this thing on our own and i'm like now right. we got something to work with 
And right. I think they had that time to like fuck off together without being like, well, we got to play New York. Oh shit. We got to play Albany. Well, what about that? Like they, it, right. there probably was some of that, but it was, it was a little bit like you had a moment to just fucking sit in your shit and yeah. like figure it out. And I just, I feel like, you know, we're going to get off the phone and you're going to be on my phone. You're going to be, there's all these things we can go and check and look and half of me wishes we had this phone conversation and I'm recording it or something and maybe I'm magic and I could have, you know, done some editing back in like the nineties or something, but it would like, it would have still been in my brain. Right. Or like, I just, I'm not saying it was better. I just, I think there's, and your daughter I'm sure has figured out how to handle you know, these, all these things, but I love just getting to fuck up for a while. Like my friend and I joke about that. Like, wasn't it fun that we like fucked off for half of our life. And by the time we got out of college, then our stuff was tracked all the time. Like it was just a, I just, yeah, like you said, I enjoyed absolutely fucking up because what's that feeling now? If you fuck up, you've got eyeballs on it. Yep. And you know, I mean, they'll have to figure out like whatever their specific kind of, you know, unique contextual alchemy is going to be for them, you know, to like take, take that crap and turn it into their own, you know, precious metal. Yeah. Like it'll just be like, it'll be more hardcore than what we had to do. They will. They'll have to be man. Because like, you know, it's it's just constant existential fear and trauma and betrayal that they inherited and you know like we felt that too but it's ramped up in a in a really um accelerated way and a really um all pervasive way now and you know like and and it feels like, you know, you know, they can all sense it because they all know that, you know, how the how the algorithms operate and how they function, and they all talk about it. You know, it's like they, they see like the possibility and the quickness, and they also see the severity and the. Um, you know, pain and neurosis that accompanies it all. Right. So it's all, it's all there. And, you know, and for some of these like amazing, uh, young people who are making shit and just, I know they're doing it. Like, Oh, we are like, I know they're going and finding it. And like, I'm just like all for it. Like, and they can call it whatever they want to call it. If, if it helps the, you know, call it punk rock or call it, emo or call it you know music or call it whatever you want to i don't i don't care like just as long as as like it it comes from like authenticity and connection and that that people can at least carry forward the seed of the idea that marketplaces are not the only um frame within which to measure um you know the value of one's intrinsic you know existence and expressivity like if you can you know like if you can find whatever way possible 
by any means necessary and possible to connect with others do you feel like that connection and kinship with at the level of ideas and you know intention and you know that's that's the shit and it's it's like it can be like the the most amazing thing and and it doesn't have anything to do with like um age or anything like that you know it's like I could listen to the X play a show today and I know it would be as good as anything ever they ever did. You know, mm-hmm. like I go, like I know that, um, you know, if I, if I put on, if I go to a, to hear some of my friends play, it's going to be like just where I want to be. Cause their art speaks to me and you may or may not know who they are. But like, I got to be there for that. And if I'm called upon by those people to like help out in any way, I'm going to be there for that in any way I can. And that sense of just like um, community is really vital. Like really, like I say, like just such an immense value that's just not reducible to like, uh, you know, how people talk about bands or how people talk about, you know, music, like, and, you know, I I feel like that's something really like special. I learned from, you know, going to my friend's house and begging him to make me a mixtape of like punk rock records and hip hop records and dub records and whatever he was into and new wave records or, you know, like any anything that he was in dance hall shit or anything that he was into. Like, I just want to hear what he thought I should, you know, get into about what 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 you know what would blow my mind, what was blowing his mind, you know. But also sitting in a room watching Kenny Hill air drum to "Thick as a Brick" by Jethro Tull was just as powerful as watching him, you know. Uh, air drum to like boycott stab by <laughs> government issue or faith void right you know like all of that was equally um you know like oh fuck this is amazing this is i gotta hear more of this and you know when we went and saw you know who's could play in dc and they did like all this arcade stuff and then they were still playing fast and they were still playing really like I mean, look there. You know? Yeah. Like, whatever whatever it is that we're talking about, it's just some confluence of, like, melody and, you know, um, just uh, energy and ferocity and, you know, uh, Open yourself up, you know, ripping it shreds, whatever it is, giving yeah. it up. And, you know, like to me, that's, that's there in that music. And, you know, like you can hear it and it's, it's, it's all the way, you know? Yeah, that's perfect. But then, you know, but if you're driving around crying, listening to like, you know, Big Star's third record or their first record or something like that. 
you know, it's like, okay, there you go. If you're listening to, you know, Tusk by Fleetwood Mac, and that's what happens. There, there it is. If right. you listen to Blue, if you listen to by Joni Mitchell, or you listen to Pink Moon, or you listen to, um, you know, for us, it's just like, I mean, Eric turned me on to Mercedes Sosa, and I got to go hear this, like, greatest of South American voices, you know, like singing Gracias a la Vida and thinking like this is the most powerful shit you could ever hear. You know? Mm-hmm. Like whatever it is, like if you you know, Liz and I saw Joao Gilberto at the end of his life and it was as powerful and visceral and quiet and enduring and transformative and um, totally life-altering and mind-bending as seeing Bad Brains play or seeing uh, Rites of Spring play or seeing any of these bands play. Like, you know, it's like, and that's that's just an old Brazilian guitar wizard, you know, like not hearing himself too well asking if the mic is on kind of, (laughs) you know, like, and just playing the most beautiful heart-rending music, you know? And, uh, I don't know. You just have to, wherever you find it, you got to find it. You know, I think about it. I think about it all the time. It's like Max Oaks opened the show, um, that we just played and, you know, it was wild to like meet him and you know he was part of like the tacoma record label scene and and um you know did records with john fahey and was part of that whole realm and he he also like which was a real part of like the stream of like also of like kind of underground maryland stuff for us because i would get john fahey records for a dollar fifty at the you know, Annapolis Record Exchange and go and just be like, what the fuck is this music? You know? And uh, and it was like Tacoma. Tacoma Park. You know, Maryland. Like, what is this? This is just the coolest looking records. They're so minimal and just stark. And then you put it on. It's just this ghostly, beautiful, you know, solitary guitar playing. And Max was part of that and you know amazing guitar player and um like Fahey and people like that you know he met like mississippi john hurt and and skip james and all these like artists that are just like the titans like the giants of like of um you know whatever we call american music and like he had access to these people he like learned from them he he hung out with them. He found them and asked them questions about their lives, you know, and, and he is part of like that movement that brought some of those people who hadn't played for decades, like to some of the, like the big cities, you know, um, from like, you know, John Hurt coming from like Avalon to New York city and playing at the gaslight or wherever he played, you know, and you like hear stories about that. And it's like, Oh, that's totally unbelievable that, you know, 
that people cared about this music that was in a large part kind of like mythical and disappearing. And, um, you know, if you dig around, you'll find it. Everybody doesn't need to know about it. It's not some big tragedy. But the, the tragedy is that people who do get access to it and witness it and experience it don't really like allow that inspiration that they feel to, to really like um, take it to another level. Yeah. Represent their own shit or, or turn people onto it. And then, then that witnessing can mean something like otherwise it just feels like, um, you know, I don't know, like now you, you can download everything and listen to everything online but that is one thing that is a sadness for me of like i don't want to romanticize it too much but i like it about like mixtape analog before times culture is that you know if i made you a mixtape you would fucking listen to that thing and you know you would you would like really try to like live with it a little bit Probably if it was a good tape. Yeah. You know, if it was, if it's your friend making you something like that. And, you know, it's not the same thing as going like, I downloaded, you know, all of Albert Eiler's recordings and all of um, Parliament Funkadelic's recordings and all of the offshoot shoots of, of, you know, every side project. And I have it all in my phone. You know, like, and I got it, you know, off of some blog. And just, it took me two minutes and I had like two gigabytes of the greatest music ever made. And I know it all. I have it. I can tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. But still, I would just argue that like the real time, like having to sit and play that tape and listen to it and rewind it and do it again, just like you really like got on this stuff, you know, you might not have had every note that John Coltrane played, but the ones that you had, you listened to a lot. You like really like internalized that shit and like lived with it and let it like, you know, get, get in your bones. And, yeah. um, you know, like that's, that's like something that like, I think it can happen anywhere, anytime. And, you know, dragging and dropping a shit ton of files is really cool that you can do it. Um, but I hope, I hope that people still like have that powerful experience of like just immersing yourself completely in, you know, an experience and maybe, maybe like that. And yeah. Maybe maybe that's just the artifact, you know, like a romanticized artifact of before times. And it's just like everybody else who's just like gets old and talks about their revolution, you know, that they witnessed. And, you know, it's like, no, it's cool. Like, so no, I, done. Yeah, but. that was perfect. Dan, that was so perfect because um, we did different stuff than Eric did. And I actually like going on these little trips. And I love <laughs> I love your take on it. And. Um, awesome. It was awesome. And I also now I have, we can do a whole nother thing for Ida, which I think is a whole other thing to mention. And um, yep. so this is, this, th this is perfect. I hope it's not too diffused and, 
I feel like I'm really excited that we'll get to do it again. And like, you know, it's going to be a little bit short for like a chaotic hated show, but we're going to, we're going to do some of the shit. Nice. Awesome. um, I guess that sounds pretty lame. We're going to do some of this shit. We're going to do some shit, man. Yeah. You know, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. I'm really glad Tom. I, I appreciate it too. And thanks for, um, having me on and, and, um, just going into the weird genealogy of <laughs> I know. whatever it, whatever it is that we're <laughs> talking about. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's what I do, and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, and um, yeah, thanks, thanks so much for having me. So, assess what we're